You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. man podcast i'm your host doc coil thank you so much for listening your patronage is much much appreciated guys it's uh i I would say the last weekend uh to say the least has been a a bit of a whirlwind for myself if you are unaware i have a band called bad wolves and we just put out a single called zombie it is a cover song of the band the cranberries and um you know i I talked about this on the on the last episode i believe or maybe the episode before i don't i don't remember you know there's a lot of kind of backstory behind this but if you you didn't hear those i'll kind of get you get you caught up um dolores o'reardon the singer from the cranberries was supposed to sing on the song our the guy who runs our record label had worked with her before previously uh with their her old record label and keep in mind with the relation to us a lot of this was happening behind the scenes so it's like we hear from someone in our band or our management or something hey you know she's gonna be doing this but for, for us it's almost like yeah, sure, sure, sure. The the lady from Cranberry is gonna sing sing on this song, and you know, so we're not really totally on the on the on the forefront with this stuff. And then, essentially, when Dolores passed away, we were kind of getting the news about everything that was going on at the same time the public was. So, according to the story, she was in London and supposed to record the song the day she died and somehow my band bad wolves name got pulled into the news story about her death so we were kind of part of this you know this great tragedy and you know that went pretty global i mean this is mainstream press usa today uh bbc uh, Daily Mail, what 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 have you? So we're kind of caught in this, and all of a sudden it goes from, you know, this woman's supposed to sing on your record, to which I like I said I was like one of those things I'll I'll believe it when I see it, and then yeah she definitely was going to do it, and she really liked the cover, to we're kind of part of the story, and then we decided to put the song out with, with, without her, and. Uh, you know, as a, as a tribute, you know, the, the the label thought it would be a great idea to make sure uh, the proceeds or some of the proceeds go to her children, which I agree with a thousand percent. Um, and, you know, the song comes out, you know, pretty quickly. It actually was released on Friday and it kind of went 
pretty crazy as far as the feedback. I mean, the song. So keep in mind, this, this is, you know, I'm a guy who comes from underground metal and done some big things, but I've definitely never been part of anything like this. So because we're part of this story, Rolling Stone magazine is the one who wants to launch this. So they, uh, Tommy, our singer, does an interview with them, and that's kind of the launching point for this song. And, you know, we're, we're three days later, and it has like 300,000 plays on YouTube already. It's been uh, straddling, but gotten as high as number two on the iTunes rock charts in America, as well as UK. Um, it's definitely something we've never, I've never experienced anything like. Um, and, you know, but I have to say there's a lot of mixed emotions, you know, because ultimately, you know, a big part of the reason why we're getting so much attention, you know, is because Dolores passed away. And that is very conflicted to feel very sad about an event that, of course, we had nothing to do with, but somehow we're connected to. Um, but then there's also this success, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I posted something about, you know, the song, you know, being number two. And, hey, let's try to get it to, to number one. And I think there's some, you know, commentary out there, some thoughts that, you know, that the band, we could be exploiting this this tragedy. And I, I listen, I, and I think those criticisms are um, are valid. In the, well, I want to say the criticisms are valid. What I'm saying is that questioning, right, questioning us is okay, you know, and because it's not. You know, but I can tell you from within our band and what's going on, it's it it was ver it's been very bittersweet, and you know, and I felt very conflicted about. Hey, I, I'm ambitious, and this band is ambitious, and we want we want to do well. We want to have a number one song, and we want to do all these great things. But at the same time, um, you know, somebody died, somebody really important to music, and um. And, and so for me, I, you know, I can't really speak for everyone in the band, even though I'm pretty sure they all feel this way, is anything we can do to put the focus on her um, and her legacy and the, just the brilliant work and the artistry, that's what we want to do. And, um, you know, I just I just kind of wanted to say something about that because I, I think I can definitely understand how people could think that. Um, and I think it's just you have to understand from our position we haven't really, we, I've explained like this, it's just like a runaway train and we're just passengers on it. Um, you know, and I don't know how things are going to end up, but it's definitely, you know, this is definitely putting bad wolves on, on the map, you know, but it does, does come with a very, very heavy heart. But, um, anyway, with that said, with the, quite the belabored intro, I would like to play you, uh, the bad wolves cover of, Zombie, which was originally supposed to feature Dolores or Reardon, but um, unfortunately, um, doing her passing, she couldn't do it. So I hope you guys enjoy this and uh, let you know from the guys in Bad Wolves to, to you guys, you know, this is, you know, definitely have her in your thoughts when you, when you hear this, hopefully. Slowly 
So there you have it. That is the Bad Wolves cover of the song Zombie. I hope you enjoyed it. People seem to really 
be getting a lot out of it in dealing with this this tragedy. So there you have it. Real quick, I'd like to give a word from the sponsor of this show, and that would be rockabilia.com. You know them. You love them. If you want band merchandise, or really merchandise from just about anything, it is the place to go. They have half a million items. It is a one-stop shop for your music, band, heavy metal merch needs. If you listen to the last episode of the show, we had Rob Flynn of Machine Head on here. You like Machine Head? I bet you do. You know they have shirts on rockabilia.com for as low as $12.99. Sick ass metal merchandise. So why wouldn't you go? And they, we have a special discount code for the X-Man show. So you use my code P-C-E-X-M-A-N, P-C-X-Man. You can get 15% off your first purchase. Why, why wouldn't you do that? All right. Thank you, guys. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you are supporting the show. And speaking of sponsors, we actually have another band sponsoring the show. You know, this is like two weeks in a row after not having a band sponsor for forever. So right now, I'm going to play you a song by a band called The Casket Robbery. Or I'm sorry, it's just Casket Robbery. My bad. Uh, <laughs> they're from Madison, Wisconsin, and they gained national attention with their debut album entitled Evolution of Evil. And that was released uh, in 2016. And that was mixed by Chris Wisco of, I guess he's worked on November's Doom and Jungle Rot. And, you know, they got, you know, some nice press on that. Decibel Magazine said it's lyrically coherent and has immaculate crafted riffs and alien melodies. Metalsucks.net says that they bring the plague kinetic horror. That is solid combination of death, thrash, industrial and goth. So, you know, those people would not lie. And so they have a new EP that is out called The Ascension. And I'm going to play a song off that real quick. This one is called Pockets Lined with Flowers. Pockets Lined with Flowers!
So that was Pockets Lined with Flowers by Casket Robbery. I hope you enjoyed that. They kind of had like a Chimera, kind of old Chimera vibe to it. That was pretty, pretty badass. You can purchase and listen to their music at casketrobbery.bandcamp.com. And you can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Casket Robbery. They apparently are going to be doing a lot of touring this year. So please check them out. Remember, support the people that support this show. It definitely helps out. So with that said, all that stuff, I'm going to get to our guests. So we have a very, very special show. I think every show I do is is special because I, I try and have people that matter to me. And this one really matters. This is Byron Davis, the lead singer from the band God Forbid, the ex- Ex singer, I guess we're all we're all all of us from God forbid are all X Men now, but uh, this is very pivotal because me and Byron haven't spoken a whole lot since the band broke broke up. There was a lot of tension, there was a lot of emotions, and the fact you know he reached out, we connected, and I asked him to come on the show, and and he he was down to do it. And you'll listen to it. I think this is a really this is a really great show, and I think this is what kind of sets this apart i think from a lot of the other music podcasts is not for nothing i'm i use it as a platform to hash some shit out <laughs> and i think it's a great format for that because i think sometimes in life it's hard to have these conversations but for some reason in the podcast realm you can kind of break through some some difficult uh bar- barriers just in general and so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So check out my conversation with ex-God Forbid vocalist, Byron Davis. So you hit me up. Um, you listen to the show? Yeah, I've been listening since the first episode. Really? That's that's, that's good. It's good to hear, man. That makes me feel good inside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, man. I like, I like the guests that you have on there. Between you and Jamie's show, those are the two that I pretty much listen to to keep me, you know, in in the game, so to speak. Yeah, man. It's uh, I think my show's a little different in that, in a way, like. I think it's a little more personal, you know, where yeah, def- where he's kind of like talking about bigger issues within the community and all that and all that stuff. But, um, but no, but it's like, it is personal. I'm like, like even having conversations like this, because for people listening to this, me and you really haven't spoke very much, you know, since. No, nah, we haven't. No, nah, we haven't talked in a while. Since, since everything went down and it kind of, you know, and, you know, me, I've been kind of adamant about not putting anything out there that, you know, essentially I'd have felt like didn't need to be out there. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'll talk about stuff. You've heard me talk about stuff, but it was very important for me not to, like, diss anybody or, um, you know, or, or, like, throw anyone under the bus, even if I was, like, upset about something. Because to me, I always said, you know, I said this with Corey. And I, you know, and I'll say it's you. It was like our band. There was a business aspect to it, but the the family aspect of it and the community and our closeness as friends was always kind of trumped everything business wise for me. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, we did the band for so long, 
that we can't even really get around it. You know, it's always going to be part of our identity, no matter what. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the God forbid history. You know what I mean? It, it, it like the, the coin phrase, it is what it is, you know, but I mean, we definitely had a lot of good times. We had some bad times, but I mean, that's all part of life, man. That shit just comes, you know what I mean? Like you can't avoid the negative. There's always going to be some portion of negative, no matter what you do. Yeah. You know, and it's just the best, the, the best thing you can really do is just talk it out and work through things. You know what I mean? And try and stay all on the same page for the greater good. Yeah. So the band ends. What, what have you, so actually now I'm trying to actually think about it. It's been since summer, 2013. So now it's yeah. about to be 2018. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, yeah, hard, that's, that's hard. That's hard to believe, right? Yeah. It's like half a decade. That's it's crazy, man. It doesn't seem that long ago. Nah, it still kind of feels like yesterday. Yeah. So what? Um. So after the band broke up, at at, the, at that time, you were, um, you weren't married yet, but your uh, girlfriend was pregnant, right? Yeah, we actually or we just had, had my son in August of 2013. Was that before or after we broke up? No, that was like prior to the breakup, like maybe two or three weeks prior to that. Wow. So that's kind of, that's almost crazy because it's almost like literally <laughs> one chapter starts and one chapter ends just like that in your life. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, but you know, I mean, you just got to keep it moving, man. Yeah. So. What what have you been up to in that in that time? Like, what was going through your head, like about what you were going to do next? Well, I mean, going through my head was that whole year. Like, while he was growing, you know, I was still in Jersey. You know, we were playing some shows here and there, but I was just trying to figure out how basically to get to them. You know what I mean? And and where uh, yeah. where was your girlfriend living at this time? Uh, El Paso. Okay. So you so, were always planning to move out there? Uh, once, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to be near my son, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to try and raise him cross-country, you know? So it was important for me to make my way here, you know? I didn't know that... Well, I didn't know what exactly I was going to do once I got here, but I knew I needed to be here for him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was, I, I, I flew out here two or three times and then I flew out here for when he was being born. And then at that point I was like, yeah, I need to come up with a plan. So, you know, things happened and, you know, the chapter was, I never really considered leaving God forbid, you know, I just thought, you know, we just, once again, we were just having some issues with a breakdown. So, you know, like I, I heard you and Corey talking and Corey was like, yeah, he was done. And then I had wrote a message on Facebook, which really was, uh, I can't remember exactly offhand. I said, uh, down, but not out, which basically meant like, you know, the band is probably going to be sitting out for a good while, you know, but I never thought it was going to end end, but then it ended. So at that point, I was just like, all right, I stayed in Jersey just to get all my debt down, 
So I didn't want to come to Texas with a bunch of overhead debt. You know what I mean? So I basically stayed there, worked in the warehouse and just stayed in the house and paid bills and paid bills until everything was completely done. And then basically ended up selling 48 and then moving here. And then after a month of being here, I started school. School for what? I went to school for a heating, air condition, and refrigeration. And that's what you do now? Yeah. How how do you like that? <laughs> Yo, it's amazing, man. Yeah? You make get paid? Yeah, it's... <laughs> What's... Is it getting paid? Get paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just, like, I knew once the band ended, I needed to get into something that, you know, could provide for my family. And the best thing about it is it's a trade. You know what I mean? It, it's a skill set, which in the long run is good because America is always going to need skilled tradesmen. You know what I mean? That's the one thing that they're never going to get rid of. Yeah. So I tried to put myself in an industry that I could grow in and I would know that long term wise, I would have a future. So I went back to school, you know, and started going to school, did the school thing, man. Everything was going great. And then my mom passed away like right before I finished. So it kind of threw me for a loop, man. Yeah. For, and I just need to get my grind on extra hard. Yeah. For people listening to this, um, Byron was extremely close to his mother. So, uh, I can't imagine, you know, how, how much that, uh, that affected you at that time, you know? So I'm really, well, I mean, it, it was, it was crazy, man. You know, it was, it was weird. Cause she was here. She came to visit me and then she went back home. She literally left on a Saturday, and, like, I was sitting in the car after leaving her at the airport, waiting for her to take off on her flight, and I'm like, it just felt odd to me, man. Like, something wasn't right. And I was texting her while she was still on the on the runway, and then she called me when she got home. Everything was good. And then I had sent her a picture Monday of, you know, Jay playing on the, the porch, with his little homemade sandbox and she never responded to the picture. So I was like, all right, you know, cause I, cause of the time difference, I figured she was probably asleep or whatever, but I didn't hear from her the next day. And then by the third day, like I was getting really worried. So basically I had the police go to the house and they kicked the door in and there she was, man. So. Wow, man. I'm sorry. Kinda, really sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, thank you, man. It 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 really, it really could have fucked me up if I didn't stay focused on what I needed to do. You know what I mean? Because moms was everything. You know, she was she was one of the silent members of God forbid, yo. You know what I mean? She helped keep the dream alive, and she did a lot for us. You know, behind the scenes, like your father did. You know, like they were real supportive. You know what I mean? And you can't ask for more than that when you got a parent that's supportive of your dreams, you know what I mean? And aspirations. And then. Uh, yeah, no doubt. It was, just, man. Well, it was just, it was rough. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of part of the theme of everything, right? Like with the band, I think the theme was, you know, was family. And then you look at your extended family and then the band ends and then you start a new family. And I remember like right after I left the band, like maybe like a cut, like, like almost like when I left the band, I almost had like a high for like a few weeks. Yeah. And then uh -huh. 
a couple months after that, I almost, I had like this kind of hole. And that hole was like not having another surrogate family, so to speak, you know? Um, and I, and I felt that, and that was like kind of part of, in a sense, this exploratory period in my life, um, and kind of figuring out what, what I was going to do next. Cause I didn't totally have it, have it figured out either, you know? Um, but yeah. I, you know, so, but for me, it was a lot of it was about kind of exploring independence for the first time and figuring all, all that out. So, you know, it was, it was a mixed bag, but I think, you know, I, you know, I don't, it's, it seems like you have yourself who started a family, John, uh, our bass player started a family. And then I kind of kept pursuing music. Matt kept pursuing music. Corey kind of is doing, doing his thing and involved with production and stuff. Did anyone ever like ask you about playing music or joining a band or anything like that after the band split? Oh yeah, man. As soon as I got to Texas and people found out I was here, like I was getting bombarded like left and right. <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty wild. Like some old faces that I hadn't seen in like forever. And then, you know, it was I don't really want to give names because they're doing stuff now, but it was just like once they found out I was here, they were interested in doing something. And, you know, I really, I was, I'm, I was interested and I'm still kind of interested, but it was just like, I had to tell them straight up. was like, yo, right now I can't really tour. And, you know, right now my family is priority, you know, like I need to make sure that, you know, I can take care of my family, man. You know what I mean? It's like, I love music, but you know, music wasn't paying the bills and I didn't I didn't wanna be like I could only do this if I'm getting paid X amount of dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to keep it pure. Yeah. And at the place I was at, it it wouldn't be pure. It was more for music for gain. You know what I mean? And when you when you go at it like that, it usually doesn't work out. Is that, you know how, I mean? is, that to, is that how you felt like near the end of the band? Like you felt like it was too much focused on the money or the business and not just kind of the just for the sake of doing it? No, I mean, I, I still love doing the band when I was, like, when we were going, when we did the last record, I was still, like, all gung-ho band, but it's just a couple of incidents prior to that kind of kind of woke me up. You remember, it, was, it goes back to, really, I was watching this interview with Dave Chappelle on the Actors Guild. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. And he was talking about, like, you know, when he was deep in it like his uh his father was dying and like you know what i mean it's just like i kind of felt like i was waking up because i missed out on some things that uh, like i wish i could go back on you know yeah. like prime example like we were we were doing that overkill tour you know we were we were driving back home and on that drive man it was like we were we literally drove through the town where my grandmother lived and, you know, I was like, yo, I wanted to stop and say hello, you know, every, get everybody out the van, just take a little break, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I knew dudes wanted to get back home because it was the end of the tour. So I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going to just keep driving. So I drove through town and then we get back home. And then two days later, my mom calls me and she's like, your grandmother's gone. And I was like kicking myself in the ass because... You know what I mean, I would have had a chance to see her before she actually left. But, you know, I mean, it's li like little things like that. It kind of 
Oh, that's not a, that's, a, that's not a little thing though. I don't think. Well, I mean, little things in like I consider that little in the sense that like I question what I should have done and I didn't. You know what I mean? So that kind of it doesn't haunt me to this day, but it's still it's it's just weird because like they were always down for what we did musically, you know what I mean? Like so as this when you when you lose people that you care about and you don't get to say goodbye, it makes it rough. Yeah. So then you see that, you know what I mean? Well, the one thing and, I, I well, one thing I know about you, I think that was a little bit different than some of the other guys in the band was you always talked about starting a family. You know, you always Yeah, talked- I always wanted a family. That was that was always important, you know what I mean? Like because like I kind of came from a broken home, so like I wanted I wanted a, a family, you know what I mean? That was always something. I got my fondest memories are like of with my mom and my dad, but they're like so vague because it was like I was like four when they when they broke up, you know what I mean? When they separated. And I, I would still see my dad here and there, but it was just like he wasn't really there in my life. So, you know what I mean? Like I never wanted to put my son through that if I had a family and I, I you know, I try and spend as much time with him as I can. And, you know, it's just, I think that we're, we're here for more than just ourselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, I think that shows the kind of dichotomy. Whereas like me, even to this day, I'm, (laughs) I would say I'm a a very self-involved person. And, uh, and I, you know, I think there's positives and and negatives to that because if you're focused on what you're doing, me just being creative, that just, you know, in a sense, that is my. Instead of having children, I, I still may may have children. I have, I have no idea, but well, you still got time, man. Yeah, no, 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 no. You got plenty of time, no doubt. Um, but what I mean is that I think when you don't have children and you're a creative person, the things you create, in a sense, are your. That's what you're giving birth to. You know, it's an album, it's a podcast, it's a piece of writing, or whatever, and that's what keeps me focused, and that's what kind of works for me. You know, um, and. And that, and I think that ultimately, that just—I I guess I'm just kind of striking a difference between the, the mentalities. And I don't think there's one right or, or wrong way, but I think when those are your big goals in life, having a family, it definitely makes the touring life and the musician life a lot more challenging because there's so many sacrifices you have to make. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, like again, man, anything in life is going to take time and patience, you know, and. You know, honestly, like, I could, I could have still seen myself doing it with a family if things were, you know, a little bit more easier to deal with. You know what I mean? It's not really, I'm not saying it, it's all about the money, but, you know, having some money to, to, to see what you put your heart and soul into, you know, and then still feel like you know you gotta hustle and scramble just in order to make ends meet man like after a while you know that stuff starts to beat you up unless you have your go-to sources you know where you can make sure because i mean you gotta remember like through all of it like certain members were on their own and you know and you still got your bills you got your phone bills you know your cars your insurance, all that kind of stuff, you know, you need to live. And when you're always gone and you're still paying rent, I mean, that's that shit starts to hurt, man. 
So, you know, it, it it wouldn't be so bad if dudes were breaking even, but you can't always be going in the red. Well, we weren't, we were actually weren't in the red. We were making money. We just weren't making very much. Like we were, you know, we were making on the, that last album cycle, we were being very fiscally responsible in terms of paying all the band bills. But at the end of each tour, we were, you know, we'd have a few hundred dollars each um, per week, roughly, you know, uh, which is something. But when you're in your 30s and some guys are in their 40s <laughs> and you, yeah. you, you, you're getting ready to start a family. Uh, John was married at that time. And even but and even with that, I was the one that actually asked the band to get off the road um, in the interim. <clears throat> before we actually broke up because I was so destitute and uh you know and that that last like six months you know when things were really strange we had a couple band meetings that seemed to kind of go nowhere we were butting heads a lot of fr- frustration um and what ultimately the reason why I ended up quitting the band is is essentially a disagreement that you and I had you know about some shows we were supposed to do and I got the feeling like, uh, in a sense, you wanted to do it, but like this whole other thing was happening in your life and it was kind of pulling you away and it made it difficult to actually like be active and kind of re-engage. Like, what what are your memories about that, that time? Like before the band broke up? Well, my, well, my memories are we had a couple band meetings we agreed that we were going to take a little hiatus, you know, not really do anything, you know, just let you get your life together and other people square up what they needed to take care of. And we weren't going to play any shows, you know, that that's what I remember. And then I guess an opportunity came up where you wanted to do a show to help a friend out. And, you know, I was in the mindset of, you know, we weren't going to be doing anything for a good while. So let me go and be, you know, a daddy for a little bit to get comfortable and see how things are going to roll out. But then out of nowhere, a show popped up and you're like, yo, we, we, we're going to do the show. And I was like, yo, I, I can't do the show. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know when I was coming back to Jersey. I, I was in Texas. You know what I mean? And I got an email from you about a show and I hadn't planned on being back in Jersey in time for that show. And then that's when you got a little flustered with me and, you know, parted ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, to be truthful, I don't even want to get too much into like (laughs) some of the details. I I don't think it's really worth repeating or, um, getting too much into it. Cause I think a lot of times when situations like that, I think it is that kind of divergent, right? Like one person moving in one direction, another person moving in another direction and, and things kind of get hot. But in, in a lot of ways, like I almost wonder, and I, you know, I, I mentioned this on the, on the podcast with Corey, like in a way I, I, I almost felt like I let, like by leaving the band, I almost let everyone kind of off the hook in a way, like, like I wonder if that time, if the band was holding each of us back from, like, getting through and reaching other goals in our life, you know? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think about it, but I don't really, I never, I never really saw 
the band as something that held us back. I just saw it as something that kind of created other opportunities for us to do other things, depending on what those other things you might want to do would be, you know, but, you know, as far as the band, I mean, we, we've been going pretty strong for a long period of time, you know, and then we had, you know, uh, a member shift, which, you know, was unpleasant, but, you know, needed to be done, I guess. But, I mean, it's, I don't want to get too deep into that because, <laughs> I mean, and that, that, that is really not going to get us anywhere. You know what I mean? It's just that basically everybody got comfortable with everybody to the point where it just seemed like the amount of respect that each member of the band had varied to each other. You know, so, you know, I mean, I wish everyone well. I mean, obviously, I keep in touch, you know, with Corey and Beaker here and there. And now I'm getting back in touch with you, you know, but, you know, I mean. Were you angry with me? What's that? Were you angry with me after after that? I, I wasn't really angry with you. I was more angry at the way that you ended it. You know what I mean? Like that, the the way you you went about it, like didn't it didn't sit well with me. But you know, you had things that you wanted to do, and you know, I kind of figured when we were making the album, when things were a little estranged, then that there were other things that you wanted to take part into. That's why I think ultimately, I think a lot of this the see, man, like. I mean, we never really went out. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit what anyone says. All the music that we ever wrote was pure. You know what I mean? I just think that the last album was kind of unfinished because in, in initially, well, initially I wanted to make that a double album. I wanted to go hard and heavy, and I wanted to do a little bit more commercial yeah. stuff, like we. We had, yeah. What's that? No, no, because that, that that's actually I kind of wanted to ask you about that because that that whole process of making that album was, in a way, like it was really great, but then it was also really challenging, right? So Dallas leaves the band, and kind of I go into my own personal tailspin, and I'm like, yeah, playing with some other people, and I'm I'm for the first time ever, and this this is going back to like 2010, 2011. And I'm like kind of questioning my whole life. Like, why am I doing this? What, you know, uh, you know, deal with depression, all this different stuff. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, not, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, but this is more almost telling people listening to this. I was kind of like a foot out the door and a foot in the door for a lot of the process of, of the yeah. beginning of the album when like Matt first got involved. So you guys were like jamming with Matt and I wasn't even there. And then, and then maybe about six months, a year in, I, you know, another project I was working on kind of blew up my face. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go all in and then really work on the album. That's when we really kind of got the ball rolling. We got the manager with Gunter and Alex. We got the deal with Victory and things started happening. And I really was like in, in it, you know, um, but I felt like. From my end, I think uh, Equilibrium maybe suffered a little bit from just like a passion deficit on 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 my yeah. end. But the one thing I was really excited about, 
you know, was I felt like on the previous records and especially like the previous album, like uh, Earth's Blood, was that there was so much headbutting between you and Dallas that I was like, I was excited to let you kind of give you the reins, you know, and let you express yourself. Um, So and with that, I, I was actually kind of surprised when we were like kind of talking about the direction of the album and you were, you were kind of, you wanted, like you were the one that was actually more in line with like doing a more commercial sound, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, I didn't, I mean, it was commercial. Like I thought it was commercial, but I wasn't like, I was trying. Or melodic, melodic, like, melodic sound. I don't, maybe that's a better way to put it, but maybe, or maybe that's because that's what Matt was writing. Cause he was writing a lot of stuff like that. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Weiland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Well, yeah, Matt wrote a lot of melodic material, but at the same token, you know, this is why, like, I I don't really like to read, uh, uh, inter- not interviews, but like reviews, uh, album reviews. Well, not well. I don't really like album reviews, and I don't like interviews. There was a certain interview that I ended up reading where, you know, a certain member <laughs> of the band was uh, <laughs> talking smack <laughs> on another know, member and- of the band. Oh well, it, uh, he was a former member, but he was just making it out to be like, you know, without him, you know, the band was nothing. So I mean, more of it, like you know how I am, man. Like if if motherfuckers like, no, you can't do this, then I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? Like I refuse to have anybody tell me what I can and can't do. You know what I, I mean? I, I, and, I heard it was it was not in anyone else's um, best interest to tell you what to dream. Yeah, they're pretty much, though. You know what I mean? But, but you know, I mean, it's just like, like it's just, 
like for me, I wanted to prove that God forbid was more than just, you know, like I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not even trying to throw a shade, you know, but it's just like it just people started to really believe that God forbid would fall apart without your brother in the band, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe that. You know what I mean? You know, because you know what Chris Adler told me? He said that when he found out that Dallas left the band, he thought we would just drop off that tour, that Lamb of God tour. Like, you know. But I mean, I think I think it's really important to note though, when you have the same five dudes. So I was the same five dudes for twelve years at that point, and then the four of us, and the four of us, or um, well, actually, well, the 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 other yeah, the other four guys. Actually, one to one, the other four guys. The other three guys, me, you, and Corey, going back yeah. to 96, even a few years before that. So when that, when you have a key member, songwriters, vocalists, that kind of, you know, it's people, it jars people. It's very jarring to people when it's that for that long. Uh, it totally is, man. Like, it was like, like, it hurt me that he left. You know what I mean? Like, I think it hurt us all that he left. You know, the manner in which he left was not professional in any way whatsoever but you know like there i knew that when he was gone there was going to be a dynamic shift you know what i mean like it's it's gonna have to be you know what i mean because it's like it was just us for so long you know what i mean and we always wrote together so then we usher in someone else new to the to the mix so obviously things are going to be a little bit different and a little bit sparked but you know i mean like i miss like even as much as of a pain he wanted to be sometimes, like I still miss that dude. You know what I mean? Like I just I, I don't hold any grudges. I just think about all the good times, you know what I mean? When it comes to everything that happened to us from day one up until the end, man. Like I still I wish the best for that dude, you know? And I don't I don't really hold any ill will towards anyone because we did what we had to do and people made decisions that, you know, they can be proud of, you know, to move forward, whether it's musically or non-musically, you know. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, there was a dynamic because a lot of times, like, there were times, you know, you might not know about this, but, you know, there were times when I would be in the vocal booth and people would purposely be trying to get me to, to blow my voice out doing tracks just because they think it would be funny. Who's who's that? Like, a producer? No, not a producer. Who <laughs> you talk? Are you just don't want to say? Yeah, it, I don't see. I mean, I mean, you yo, don't have to. I, you don't have to. I'm, you know. Well, let's. We were in. We were in Traxies. Steve Lagudi was there. We were tracking some vocals, and you know, dude was not happy with it, so he kept making me do it over and over again. And Steve had a conversation with the dude. And he told him that he was going to make me keep doing it over and over until I blew out my voice, which never happened because, you know, I got the voice of freaking iron, yo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, out of all the shows, I've only missed one show, and that was because I freaking had that time you when we were on the Gore tours where I had uh, I had to take the amoxicillin because I had strep throat. And we were in Harpo's and... um. Ben from Gold Horse. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, that was well, that show. 
I, I actually didn't remember that you were sick, but I remember the show yes. we, we did on um on the Jägermeister tour with Slipknot, and then we played it was Slipknot, Fear Factory, Chimera, and us, and you got stuck on Chimera's bus, which broke down. So we did an instrumental set, and then we busted your bus yeah. because we sold more merch. <laughs> That's what it. Yeah, in the previous Yo, show. Yeah, so those those are the only two shows like I, I ever missed. You know what I mean? After going like we would do mad shows every day, you know, like back to the days in the freaking the freaking uh, the VFW hall where I'm singing through a milk jug. Yeah, well, that's when we played. It was I think at the, at the time. So we, so we played this show. It was a graduation party for like these high yeah, school kids, and, then- and it was in this hall. And at the time, it was the most money we ever got paid for a show. Maybe we got paid like three hundred bucks or four hundred. It was, but at the time, we were like, "Yo, we're we're rolling it." And it was just all these like, I don't know if they were hardcore kids or frat kids or football players. I don't know, but they were just all like moshing and having a great time for their high school graduation. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, but you know, it's just one of those things. But you know, back to the original statement. I wish we would have done a double album as the as the Equilibrium. Yeah. You know, some more of the old and then experimental with the new stuff. But it well, didn't go down that way. Well, I, I always said that, you know, I, I, well, I always say, but I said this in the, the thing with Corey is when Dallas left, because he was the one that was pushing more of the singing and more of, of kind of that uh, style. And me, like I was always more hesitant, like I was more like try like, all right, we can do stuff. But I was always like a little more conservative. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I almost assumed that the next record would just be a lot more heavy, but then because of the way Matt was writing and you really took to the Matt songs, like, like you like as a writer, um, you know, like equilibrium pages, um, what's the other one? Uh, um, Oh, yeah, not cornered. Um, I'm forgetting that the damn names to the to, to the song, but um, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of but no, but like as a writer, it seemed like you connected to that. Pro- partially, probably because it felt new, it felt fresh. Right? Well, it felt new, it felt fresh, and you know, it just like honestly, I didn't really know too much about Matt's playing prior to that. You know what I mean? Like I knew he was in Hemza, but I was never really that big in the Hemza. You know, I just knew. And I went off for the aspect that you picked him, you felt comfortable writing with him, so he must be, you know, you know, the type of writer that you wanted to collaborate with outside of, you know, your previous endeavors. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I was down for whatever, dude. Like, I knew the music we were, no matter what we did, it was going to be God forbid. You know, we were going to put that God forbid stamp on it. Yeah. So I wasn't too worried. You know, when it came, when he came more from that melodic world, you know, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, because then it would give me an opportunity to look at it and try and think of ways to create something. You know what I mean? That was not necessarily normal, not normal, but what people, I I just didn't want to give people what they expected from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody always expects the same thing and it's like, yo, I want to switch it up on you. Keep it fresh, man. I mean, you got to do that. You can't you can't come with the same old shit all the time, man. That shit is whack. 
and motherfuckers do that nowadays and it's just like you know it's like impress me bro like <laughs> like that, a lot of the shit man it's just it just carbon copies you know what i'm saying 10th generation carbon copies to me is, do, you, do you feel that way sometimes do you hear you know especially i guess more towards like the mid 2000s when kind of metalcore became popular did you feel i mean I, I think as a band we you know we kind of felt this way that you know the the style that we helped develop um became very a lot more generic and 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 and, and copycat like does that something that like bothered you through the years like seeing kind of <laughs> you know copycat type bands well i mean it didn't bother me the only time it really bothered me is when i would hear people like when they heard it act like they heard something that they never heard before you know what i mean it's just the fact that people don't investigate the history is that that's the only part of it that bothers me it's just assuming that just because this band is out you know they were the first ones that created something and you know obviously if you don't know you don't know but knowing you know what i'm saying like is a it's a totally different feeling yeah when you hear it but you know but at the same time you know it some of the some of the stuff that we heard that were carbon copies you know they they did put a little spin on it which obviously made them you know i guess uh the new guard so to speak as far as you know if the older cats aren't there anymore and these new faces come in they don't have a frame of reference obviously they're going to be the last man standing so more power to them and especially nowadays if you can make it work for you in the industry where everything is 360 and you know what i mean it's like you know you 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 basically fighting for scraps yeah, did did you ever feel like, you know, I feel like you're you're the type of guy where you engaged everything the band did, everything from a kind of performance uh, level to as like with a chip on your shoulder. Did you ever feel like the band was slighted or like kind of passed over or that we should have been bigger? No, I don't. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to come off sound like a dude that you know, didn't make it and is pissed off because that's not it at all. You know what I mean? We did what we did, and I I challenge anyone to ever come up and say that we never gave it our all whenever we performed. But, you know, I just think that lines are being blurred nowadays that weren't possible to be blurred in the previous years. What do you mean? Well, I just think that... Oh, more genres and more people have become more receptive, acceptive of more things than they were then. So, yeah, we were. Just, it, it was it was harder to it, like I always tell people when we started touring, there wasn't a scene for what we did, so we had to play no. with a lot of different kinds of bands and never really fit in. And it was only like two or three years around two thousand three, two thousand four that the scene for what the kind of music we played started to exist. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it is, it is what it is, man. That I, I should coin. <laughs> Did you, you come up I mean? with that? You, I mean, you got to do like Trump. You got to, you got to say something that everyone says, and then, and then pretend like you invented it. <laughs> well, I, I did two egg rolls. <laughs> well, two egg rolls. I think you did invent. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, like, 
it's weird, man, because like I don't really hold any grudges about anything. I just I just see the younger generation making it work for them better than it was able to work for us. Well, there's, you know? a, there's a lot more resources out there. And I think, you know, everyone stands on the shoulders of giants to a certain degree. Not not saying that we were that gigantic or anything, but our collectively, if you take our whole scene of bands that came up, you know, if it wasn't for Candiria and Overcast and for the love of and bands like that, then we wouldn't have been where we were at. And if it wasn't for bands like us and Unearth and Shadows Fall and you know, Darkest Hour and those group of bands, and the next bands wouldn't have had, you know, their opportunities and stuff. So I, I, I think it's so much of the music industry and I think creative work in general and, and from a commercial sense the, or the way it's exposed is just timing. You know, when when you come out. Yeah. You know? and yeah, definitely. I think I definitely, I think timing has a lot to do with it. You know, I mean, that, that, pretty much is what it is you know like you can't avoid when just when you some people just weren't ready for it you know what i mean like they just weren't ready to have that type of band be serious honest dedicated and be able to do what they did yeah you know like you know i mean it was like I, I still like sometimes I look back and I just think about all those times where people would say some asinine shit, you know, like, you know, like, I can't believe you guys can do this. And it's like, like, that still is funny to me still. What do you mean? Because you know? of the, the black thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to make it a racial thing, but, you know, if that was for us, it was very, you know, in those earlier days, it was harder, man. Like, it wasn't so hard in the underground and the hardcore scene, but when you try to, you know, start playing with these more... Uh, like the metal bands or the kind of more mainstream bands? Yeah, you know what I mean? But whatever. I don't... It's still funny to me. I just I just pop in our, our DVDs and... CDs, man, and I just reminisce on some good stuff like that. But, you know, I, I just mostly want to share that stuff with my son because I think my son has taken the torch, man. He's got the vocals, kid. Oh, yeah? You're going to train him up? You're going to be the Tiger Woods of metal? <laughs> yeah, he's already asking for a microphone, yo. Good, man. So You can, you can he's, give him the touch. Yeah, he's, he's, Matt, he's, he's very musical, man. I gave him a guitar. He he strums it up here and there. He's 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 gonna know, man. He knows and he appreciates and I take him to shows when they come to town. But like I, I still wanna be involved in the music scene, but I just as far like I would love to play again. But it's just, you know, it's well, not that time. Well, I mean, we we had an opportunity to do a, a reunion show and it wasn't really available for you know your availability wasn't really working at, at at that time is is there an opportunity down the line you could see something work you know if if the right situation came around where you know there could be a reunion show or a tour or, or something well i think the right situation would be that people really want to see it you know what i mean like i don't want to 
Like, but that being said, man, like, we got to get the lineup right, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not the lineup, but I mean the band lineup. It has to be on par. The, are you saying it would have to be the original five or it would just have to be the right? If, even if that was not possible, just be the right people in terms of being able to pull it off and all that stuff. Yeah, I just think we need to have, you know, him come back in a good place in his life or someone who can pull it off and still be entertaining. Yeah. I hear you that. I mean? Do you do you have a um like a favorite record or like era of the band? Like you said you go back and you listen to a lot of stuff. I mean, it, like every believe it or not, man, every record is my favorite record man like every 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 area of the band man like i like because there's so many songs that we did that like i can pinpoint like memories like good memories you know what i mean whether it was playing that club leonard skinner's club in florida with camara you know playing with guar you know it's just being out on the road with you guys was always fun you know that was the fun part and then we get to play you know our first time going to europe you know with machine head and you know it's just it, it was it was a really good time man it was it, it it really opened my eyes to the way the world perceives america yeah you know what i mean like just being gone and then seeing different people making friends you know like some of those people i'm still friends with to this day <clears throat> so you know it's just it was a, it was an all-around good time man like you couldn't ask for a better way to spend your 20s and 30s, you know, is seeing the world, going places you never thought you'd be at, you know what I mean? And having people there that appreciated you coming, you know, and, you know, just that whole camaraderie, man, you know, just living the dream, you know, living the dream, as Steve Lagoody would say. <laughs> By the way, Steve Lagoody is our, our old sound guy who is currently Machine Head sound guy, who I, I have to get on the show. I, gotta get, I know Steve's got a bunch of shit talking he could he could do he's quite a character oh yeah um one thing i want i wanted to kind of ask you about you know you you talked a l- little bit about it with the with the equilibrium album but i'm really interested in in how your your kind of vocal style changed over the years because you know for people who don't know the way the way byron ended up being the singer in the band was he used to be the bass player and every now and again, he would like get up on the mic and just do like a yell, you know, ah! you know, we're like, yeah, yeah, Byron, yeah, do that, you know? And then he left the band and then our singer beat up the whole band and quit. Um, and we ended up, and at the time Byron was uh, going to recording school and he set up a situation where we could record a demo for free. So we went out to Ohio where he was recording and we didn't have a singer. So we ended up just kind of laying uh, vocals down on, on a, on a track and I mean, it's it's actually, in hindsight, looking back on it, it's kind of so just weird that you weren't a quote-unquote singer, as we knew, but then you just did it, and we liked it, but you didn't, like, did you ever think about being a singer before then, or or was it in the back of your mind, or especially, like, a heavy kind of screamer, screaming-type vocals, is that something you were thinking about, or it just kind of, you just stumbled into it? Well, I mean, I grew up in the church. My mom was very active in the church, so I was in the church choir as a child. 
But then, you know, I started, obviously, you get to junior high school, you start listening to heavier and crazier styles of music. And then, you know, you, you, you think about those things. But back then, you know, it was even more of a bleak feeling than, you know, previous. Because it was just like, I mean, then everyone, like, it's so weird to me now where everyone is available or willing to listen to something different. You know, but in the younger days, in the younger years, like dudes were like very animate about like calling you a white boy if you listen to something other than rap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But nowadays, like everyone listens to everything, which I think is amazing. What do you what what, what do you think it is about kind of inner city black culture that shuts itself off to like other styles or you're saying you feel like it doesn't happen as much, but at least back in the day, what do you, what do you think there is about that culture that is kind of closed minded? Well, I don't, I don't think it's the, I just think it's lack of experiences, man. Life experiences. If you're stuck in one position all the time and you never see on the other side of the fence, you don't know what's really out there. You know, growing up, it was important to travel, you know, as a child and experience other people like living and breathing with, you know, different ethnic groups, you know, which, you know, wasn't really a thing that most uh, kids get to experience, you know, I mean, it's, it's so weird, man. But I mean, I don't want to go anti-political because that's not my way either, but you know, it's just those days and times where, you know, you had your drug culture and then you had people just falling prey, man, you know, and then not really knowing or getting the experience going to day camps and things like that. You know, it's like if you're never introduced to people of different backgrounds then you'll never know anything else other than what you always see. Yeah. You so, know what I mean? So they kind of associate the uh you know metal music or rock music like that it immediately is part of another culture so it doesn't really equate it just kind of it 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 is foreign in everything it's just not part of yeah so so what do you think is is different about you and like Corey that you were open minded to that well i mean we we didn't have problems being with friends with anybody so you know what i mean like we used to hang out with the kids in school that were considered the burnouts. You know what I mean? We had class with the metalheads and then the rap kids and things like that. We both went to Catholic schools, you know what I mean? And then went to public schools. That right there is freaking an eye opener in itself. So they were just integrated you know I mean? in general, racially. There was a lot of different types of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I knew people that were Hungarian, Indian you know, white, Spanish, like I went to school with kids like that, you know, and then those were most of the kids that were in Catholic school. And then I went to public school and then I started meeting other kids like that, you know, and then you just, you have more in common with other people than you realize when you start to hang out with them and you do things with them. And then, you know, you just, you just, you don't want to live in a box because this everyone tells you this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to like, you know. And, like, I, I don't believe in that. You know what I mean? I think everyone should experience 
life for themselves and see what really works for them and what doesn't work for them. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I think that's that's great, and and I think in 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 that respect, you 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 know the rest of the guys, we all, you know, we pretty much all grew up within a a few mile radius of each other, so we pretty much grew up in the same environment, more or less. And our yeah. our experience was the same. It was it was everybody. It was mostly black and Hispanic uh, community in New Brunswick, but there was everybody, you know. And I think there's a, a huge benefit to that. To you know. If you look at our band, which we were a, you know, we were kind of defined by taking this little thing over here and this little thing over here and this little thing, you put it all together and it's like this mishmash. You know what I'm saying? It's like I got a boot on, a fucking Timberland, a fucking sneaker, yeah. a fucking headband, you know, it's fucking, you know, it's like the, the shit don't even match when you put it all together. It's just, it's, 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 it's buck wild. Um, so but I think how fashion is though. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think that's fashion and that's creativity and that's culture and that's, you know, uh, what kind of defined our band was was a, a willingness to just not care about fitting in. You know, I think we didn't we did we really didn't care uh, more so than a lot of the other, you know, uh, you know, the people we kind of came up with as far as bands and stuff. But kind of going back to the thing I was talking about, about vocals, you know, how, how do you think you got better or kind of developed your your style over, over the years? I mean, it just time, patience, and practice, man. I mean, would you like try? Like, all right, I'm going to you. You all right? You have like a new record coming out, and I and I imagine just playing shows and going on tour and all that stuff, and kind of just working on your craft just through repetition uh, helps you get better. But was it like, all right, we're going to do Gone Forever? Like, do you have a different focus, or you're like, I want it to sound like this, or are you just kind of you just do you just going with the flow and kind of going with your gut. Well, I mean, I kind of, I would hear the tracks and then I would play them over and over in my head. And then I would just think of, you know, which voices I wanted to use, like how it should start out as far as do I want to go high? Do I want to go low? You know, does it need to be super guttural? You know, it's just, how it felt, man. A lot of it was how it felt, you know, and like try to convey some, like I wanted to be opposite of what the guitar was doing. You know what I mean? To kind of have it be there, but not too offensive. But at the same time, I wanted to be brutally in your face and beat you down until you submit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's like I used, I used the music instead of my fist when it came to anger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I chose to do something more creative than destructive. So, th see, I think that's kind of interesting because it makes me think about the later record where you were singing more. Were you less angry? Like, no, I'm all, got older? I was always angry. <laughs> no, I was always angry. You're like the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> that's the thing about me. I'm always angry. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, like, the anger just comes from really injustice, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really believe that this world can get along together. You know what? And some people make it a little bit harder than others. But at the end of the day, man, I think, you know, this could be a really good planet that we have, provided that everyone 
decides to stop delving so much into themselves and work together. You know what I mean? We are the world. Okay? You're a positive B. That's your new <laughs> Hello. I'm, well, I mean, I'm I've always tried B. to stay positive, you know? It's just... Like, when you're always around so much negativity, man, it's hard to stay positive. So you kind of got to step away, man. And again, man, it's it's like the way I see things, it's like I'm not just living for me, man. I have to live, you know, for my son and hope his future is good. You know what I mean? Like, that's the worst thing ever. Like, I'm a little nervous with Trump in the office, man. But I got to say, I'd still be nervous if Hillary was in the office. You know what I mean? When there's people out there that really don't give a shit about, you know, the populace, it, it, it kind of worries me. Do you think, uh, you know, just by your demeanor, like just just little things, you know, you, you get to know people over, over a long period of time. Um, do you feel like you're starting a family, uh, raising a child, being married, kind of living that lifestyle, just and just generally getting older? And, you know, do you just, do you feel like you're a different person than you were five years ago? Yeah, I'm totally a different person. I, I would, there is no way I could be anything other than a different person at this point in my life. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, like no matter what, even if, even if I wasn't married five years, I, I'd still be a different person. You know what I mean? Because when you get older, you start to see things differently. You know, you, you're, you're more, you're more thoughtful in your thoughts about things as opposed to. You know, you want it now. It doesn't matter. Like you, you, you take other people's feelings into consideration, which is there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's but at the same time, don't fucking cross me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you be nice to me, I be nice to you. Plain and simple. I think that's just just the way it should be. That's right. You, you know what I mean? You you wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> well, it's just like you know, it's like if you treat me like an asshole, I'm gonna treat you like an asshole. You know what I mean? If you're if you're friendly to me, then I'm going to be friendly back and be cordial. I mean, there's no need to be an asshole when someone's being nice to you unless you're that much of an asshole that, you know, that's the only way you can get off and be who you are. Mm -hmm. um, kind of going, going a little bit back to the, the vocal thing, one of, one of the things I know being on the, the inside as opposed to the outside of the band was that you seem to get different responses uh, as a vocalist, depending on who was producing you. And you seem, you know, I, you know, I think you had a very special connection and, uh, and great performances specifically when you worked with Jason Sukoff. Um, yeah. What, what, what is it about working with Jason that you uh, brings the best out of you? The dude is funny. Yo. <laughs> He's just straight up funny. Like, the whole thing about being in a studio is being relaxed as well as being determined to hit your marks. You know what I mean? And when I say hit your marks is get the performances and make you feel like... I mean, there's two sides. Like, you're recording, you're recording, but you're standing in a room, so you can't really feel it you know like you know when you feel it and then you really feel it yeah like that is that's hard to capture in the studio sometimes and it's just because depending on the time of day or your mood on what's going on back home or you know something someone said to you before you go in the booth a lot of things go into play is that as far as that's concerned you know 
But, you know, just when it came with Jason, you know, we'd just be hanging out, you know, and he was easy to to uh, bounce ideas off of. You know what I mean? Like nothing ever really phased him in the sense like, no, you can't do that. No, this wouldn't be good because of this and that. You know what I mean? It's like it's a free for all. Nigga, do what you want to do. If it feels good, then do it. You know what I mean? And well, that, it was, it was very it was very creative. It seemed like where you would go in with an idea, like maybe a rough outline, and then he would bring in different voices, um, change up the cadences here and there and really make, you know, like I give like an example I give is um, uh, a few good men from the last record. And it just like he didn't change it that much, you know, from what you had been working on. But everything he did just kind of took it to that next level in terms of just adding this voice, creating just just little rhythmic changes and stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 good, man. He's definitely come a long way from force fed. You know what I'm saying? But, oh yeah. So so for if you guys don't know, we we did a demo <laughs> version of Force Fed from Gone Forever, but the song actually had a different structure to it. There's a whole different part. The whole uh bridge of the song was was different on the I don't I don't have that demo anywhere. <laughs> It's it's somewhere in the cosmos. Yeah. Well, but, uh, there's like there my, one. I guess one of my favorite songs on the Equilibrium. I can't think of the title right now, but is uh. I love how we can't think about uh, the titles to our own albums. <laughs> yeah, because we never. I mean, you know, you know how we did it, man. We didn't really have titles to the end, you know. But the part where I do the Judas Priest line, you know. Oh, that's yeah. my favorite. Every time I hear that shit, I just start chuckling, you know, because, you know, it's just so out out of left field that no one expected, you know, but like I that's the type of shit I like to do, man. I like to throw curves in there. My Rebirth. That's the song. Yeah. Yeah. Track two. Track two. <laughs> right on. That, that is that that is track two. You know, usually when I when I do these, I kind of go um, chronologically in terms of a, a career, but we've been kind of bouncing all over the place, which is, which is com- completely fine. And we and we kind of already already talked a little bit about, you know, if the band ever got back together, if you'd be open to that. But so I don't want to get re- go over that again. But you know, what do you what do you think the kind of future just holds for you in in, in general? What are you trying to do, or you know, your goals and every, all that stuff. Well, my goals right now is to figure out whether or not I want to have another child. Uh, More money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I would, I honestly would like to get more bands in El Paso. Be- because there's this, this is there's a thriving metal community here, and there's actual rock radio station where, you know, you can hear rock music all day long, which is very rare considering there's no more rock radio anywhere around the country, really. So you're going to start promoting shows? I mean, I don't know if I necessarily want to start promoting shows because, like, that's an undertaking that I really don't know anything about. But, I mean, I would like to get with a couple local promoters, pick their brains and see, you know, what it would take to get some bands out here. You know, even if I have to not necessarily call in favors, but call bands, you know, and have them, you know, speak with their management about coming to El Paso. Because, again, man, there's a there's a lot of opportunities here. Like, one of the biggest shows they had here was uh, 
Lamb of God and Killswitch, you know. They came and they played at the on the Indian reservation and the show was free, yo. That's crazy. So a lot of people showed up for that. Yo, there was a lot of people. And then Slayer came with uh who's who did Slayer come with again? The Slayer came with Anthrax, it was another big show at the amphitheater. It's like, yo, there's mad metal hits here, dude. There it's it's really as long as you come on the not necessarily the right day, but if you get like the weekend, like Thursday through Monday, you'll you'll do pretty good here, and people will come out. And there's a lot of metal, metal heads here. So I was thinking about maybe hooking up, you know, with some guy out here, or whatever, promote some shows, and you know, see some bands and say hello, <laughs> you know. Right Just on. be B, man. Positive B in the, in the 2018. <laughs> yeah, man. I've always been positive, yo. You know what I'm saying? It's just <laughs> now I can show it. You know what I mean? I don't have to put up no guard about it. But, you know, well, I just... Well, I can say, man... I'm I, happy. Yeah, man. I can I, I can see that. And I, I really like where you're, where you're at uh, personally. And I'm glad you... I'm really glad you reached out, man. Because uh, I love you. I love all the guys in the band. Um you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future? I don't think any of us really know. We're all kind of wrapped up in our in our personal lives. We're busy. I'm busy. Um, and like I said, we don't know. Cause I'm sure like you, people ask me all the time, when do you get back together? But it's like, but I'm, I, yeah. I think I'm in the same. We, we need to. We need to. We need to stay in touch, man. We've known each other too long. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I watched you grow up, nigga. I took you to the go-go bar when you was 15. So... <laughs> I was 16. 16. Oh, my bad. <laughs> but, you know, like, we we can we can, we can can always agree to disagree. You know what I mean? But, you know, good people, it's hard to keep good people around you. So I try and keep as much good around me as possible and help as much as I can with anybody. You know, if you're ever coming through LP, man, hit me up, nigga. I'm here. You know what I mean? I'll do whatever I can for you. You know, and I'm... I'm hoping that you do really well with this new endeavor that you got. A couple of the new endeavors, you know. I mean, you deserve it. Oh, we all you. deserve to be happy, man. So, yeah, man. Get your groove on. Be happy. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Mr. Byron Davis. Thank you so much to Byron. Uh, you know, the ones where I have the my dudes on were definitely special. And hopefully, I said it before, I'll say it again, hopefully I can get everyone on the show eventually. And, you know, I, it's it's good to work through some of this stuff and, and talk about the good times and some of the bad times and have you guys part of that, you know? So that was a fun one. That was a lot of fun and, and very, that was, the, you know, that was a very special, special healing, healing moment. You guys got to be part of that. So hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I want to say... If you can, please head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, rate the show, review the show, tell your friends, tell them to subscribe. You can also subscribe over at soundcloud.com. Just look up Dot Coil. Send me a message, you know, on social media. Tell me who you want on the show. You can also email me at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. That is E-X. And yeah, if you want to sponsor the show, you have products you want to sell. Let me know if you have a band, you want your song played, 
hit me up right you know we didn't have sponsors forever as far as bands doing the show but now it seems like the flood the gates are opening and now a bunch of people are sponsoring the show and i think it's gotten some good feedback people have told me people have checked out their bands people are liking the bands that they're hearing on on the show so i think that's awesome and i'm glad i can help uh expose some new young talent so thank you guys for listening to the show you know what fuck it mamba out This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.